Welcome to the Double Sleeve Podcast. Your hosts, Zedric, and I, Dylan. Alright, so today we are doing a deck spotlight of Mono Blue Tempo. So, Zedric, let's yes. talk about this deck. Um, Alright. We'll start off with uh, the one-drop creature spells. Um, we got Ascendant Spirit that we run a four of. And Delver of Secrets that we run a, run a four of. And then we got a two-drop Suspicious Stowaway, and that's your creature package. Um, so your one-drops, Delver. Um, how, how do you feel about Delver in this deck? Uh, it seems like it's going to be pretty easy to flip. You have 24 spells. Um, do you think that it's going to be able to survive for what you need it for. These are your only threats. Um So in a in a, essentially in a uh tempo based deck like this, it is extremely important to get your threats down early. So that's why the entire threat package stays around 1 and 2 CMC. Uh Delver super effective. There are 24 instant sorceries in the deck. Um so it's super easy to get Delver to flip and make it just a one-man, a 3-2 flyer. Uh, Ascendant Spirit is amazing because it just kind of provides its own in-game tempo. So Ascendant Spirit, for people who don't know, is a one-mana, one-one snow creature spirit. You can pay two snow mana to make it a spirit warrior with base power and toughness 2-3. So already on your turn two, that gives you something else to do. It, you go this Ascendant Spirit turn one, turn two, make it a 2-3 warrior. Then it has an ability, you can pay three snow mana, and if Ascendant Spirit is a warrior, you can put a flying counter on it, and it becomes a spirit warrior angel with base power and toughness 4-4. Four, four. So again, that just goes, you can go turn one spirit, turn two use the first ability, turn three use the sec second. Uh, and then turn four, it has one last ability where if it is an angel, it gets two plus one plus one counters, and it gains whenever... This creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Now, what's important about all these abilities is none of them state until end of turn. So once you activate them, Ascendant Spirit stays that way. It's So if you activate the first ability, it's now a 2-3 for the rest of the game until it changes zones. Uh, and this, all of them just being like one mana for Ascendant Spirit, first ability two mana, uh, second ability three mana, third ability four mana, uh, it just provides an amazing in-game tempo where there are some times where this can just take away the game before they even really know what's happening. Yeah, um, I do really like that card. Any cards that have multiple abilities, I always say, are good cards. Um, these have, this one specifically has three abilities on it. Um, you did mention that it's not till end of turn. That's uh, really good for what you're going for. Um, you're just trying to control the field and... Uh, get one of your three creatures out, um, three different creatures. You run a total of 12 creatures, four of, of all three of these. Um, and then also you have the Faceless Havens, which can animate as well. Um, now, Suspicious Stowaway, um, I personally do like this one. Um, the fact that it can't be blocked is really nice. You're going to be facing probably a lot of, um, I'm guessing, mono green, probably some mono white. Um, a lot of it's going to be, uh, seems like all runs Epiphany decks. Um, 
I don't know. I do like the card draw on the suspicious stowaway. I think that's a great advantage. That card draw on a creature that's just two mana is pretty good, and I do like the flip as well. You don't have to discard, I believe. Yeah. And now, now to reiterate, uh, suspicious stowaway. It is a two drop. It is one colorless and a blue for a creature human rogue werewolf, one one. Uh, it cannot be blocked, and whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you draw a card and then discard a card. Now it also has daybound. So that goes with the day and night mechanic from the new set, Innistrad Midnight Hunt. And so whenever you cast no spells in a turn, it becomes night. And when it becomes night, Suspicious Stowaway turns into Seafaring Werewolf, which is a 2-1 creature werewolf. Seafaring Werewolf can't be blocked, and when it deals combat damage to a player, you just draw a card. So there's no discard attached to it. Yeah, and it's going to be pretty easy to get it tonight. Um, I'd probably be concerned about turning it back today too often uh you're pretty low to the ground so i assume you might be uh casting multiple spells per turn well the great thing about this deck is uh a lot of your interaction and spells that you're casting outside of your creature package they're all instant speed so Daybound and Nightbound, it only worries about the spells that you're casting on your turn right yeah so as long as you're casting the majority of your spells on your opponent's turn then there are some times where it can be nightbound for three, four turns before your opponent can really do anything about it. Yeah, that's pretty true. Um, that's pretty nice how it works with that mechanic, actually. Um, let's see. We can go into your spell package. We got two um, concerted defense, four consider, four fading hope, four you see a guard approach, Two disdain, uh, disdainful stroke. Two negate. Two reject. And four solid coming. Um, so we can start off with the one drop instance. Um, you have all instance in the uh, main board. I do see. Um, so concerted defense. Counter target non creature spell unless its controller plays one colorless plus an additional one colorless for each creature in your party. And uh, we took a look at Delver. It is a human wizard. Um, on the back side, it's not, though. It's not a part of the party mechanic, correct? No. Um, the You can hit three things in the party mechanic for this. So uh, Ascendant Spirit, when, it become, when you use its first level, per se, it becomes a 2-3 warrior, which is a part of party along with the... Suspicious Stowaway, which is also a human rogue werewolf. So you have three various different things to turn on the defense. I really like Ascendant Spirit in this deck. Um, it has a lot of good synergy. It's just random cards in it. Um, consider, I feel like that's a no-brainer in any blue deck right now. Yeah, consider it's just selectional card draw. It, uh, it just kind of makes sure you're always drawing into some sort of action some sort of interaction that you need in order to close out the game so we got fading hope um what do you think that you're going to uh return with fading hope so fading hope uh there's a few utilities for it that makes it just a really good card in standard especially right now so fading hope is a one drop instant uh return a creature to its owner's hand 
and if that creature was mana value three or less, you get to scry one. So a lot of creative ways this can be used. So one way you could do it is if you have a Delver that is not yet flipped, you can on your upkeep Fading Hope one of your opponent's CMC three or less creatures. You get that scry, you get to manipulate your top deck, and you can possibly scry yourself into a Delver flip. Uh, a lot of the things that you might be bouncing with it that are in standard right now is, uh, so man lands are really big right now, and the only one really with inbuilt protection is the Hall of Storm Giants, which we won't go get into right now, but, so you can basically bounce any of these, uh, animated lands when they turn them into creatures, and then also you can get that scry one because lands are zero CMC permanents. And this can hit gold span dragon, but you won't be getting the scry, um, that's, that's a nice one. However, uh, you gotta consider the fact that you're gonna have to pay them two mana, basically, to do that. They'll get a treasure off of it. Um, so, other than that, you're probably just gonna get Scry and hit Delver in the Epiphany decks. Um, it does hit, um, the Cat Tokens off the Chariot. Um, that's pretty nice. Yeah, and it also hits the, uh, the Tree, the Tree Folk, Tree Folk token off of Renin 7 the uh, down tick so let's talk about some of the white threats we have um that you can hit with this you can really hit any creature but you want to get that scryability off more or less would you say um i mean the scryability isn't super vital it's more just a upside to an already good card because uh any sort of in any sort of tempo deck any sort of unsummon effect that just bounces a creature for one mana becomes really strong and powerful because you can up the in-game tempo of just they play out their five drop really good creatures say for example goldspan dragon and then all of a sudden you have to bounce you bounce your hand making them have to cast it again in another turn so it sets off the game's tempo with for just one mana yeah realistically though we'll we'll get into some of the other uh um spells you have to deal with goldspan i don't think that'd be the best option i'm not sure uh with the white one drop so we have uh usher of the fallen uh it's a two one boast one colorless and a white create a one one white human warrior creature token that might be an issue versus your deck um the, it's a one drop that it's a two one and they're going to be able to create tokens off of it so that's something you're going to want to remove pretty early i would say you see yourself casting a fading hope to get rid of that um possibly it is a decent threat on the board but the thing is with a lot of your like a lot of your attackers have built in like a lot of the threats in this deck have built in an evasion such as, like, Ascendant Spirit gives itself flying, Delver Secrets turn into a 3-2 flyer, and Suspicious Stowaway can't be blocked. So you're not really worried about things like them going wide when you still have, like, your turn 1, 3-2 threats that can just steal away the game without ever having to worry about blockers. Yeah, that's fair. So in the 2-drop spells, you have Disdainful Stroke. Um, that's a good card against Allrun's Epiphany. Uh, Disdainful Stroke's good, uh, for people who don't know, it's a two-mana instant counter-target spell with CMC four greater. So, Disdainful Stroke is very good in the meta right now, of standard. I run two main board, and it is, it hits things like Allrun's Epiphany, it hits Goldspan Dragons, 
another big problematic card is Seeker's Chariot is a big one. Uh, and even things like Renin 7 that are also seeing a lot of popular play right now. And then you also run two Negates, which hit the Chariot as well and uh, hit your All Runs Epiphany. Uh, that, that, those are basically the same, um, other than the fact that the Disdainful Stroke seems a little bit better in certain situations. You also have two Reject. I, there's a lot of uh, two ofs in the two mana slot. Do you have anything to say about that? Why not any three or fours? Um, just because everything's kind of conditional, and there's not there's not room to just throw in like four of each conditional spell without losing consistency. So you kind of just end up with a bunch of these like two ofs that just kind of they'll be in your hand until the time comes and when they do you're really glad that you had them but they're just conditional enough where you're sometimes just going to want one over the other you don't think you'll ever need one and you're just not going to draw into it you think there's another answer uh well typically just the way this the deck works with a bunch of card drawn in-game tempo you typically don't Typically, one or two counterspells can win you the game. So also between the place that I saw it coming, uh, you're not really worried about not being able to hit their threats. So let's talk about your card draw. We have Suspicious Stowaway and Consider. Do we have any other card draw? Uh, you have level four of the Ascendant Spirit, which gives it two plus one plus one counters when it's a four four flyer. And it makes it so whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you can draw a card. Now, also to clarify, you can activate this ability on Ascendant Spirit multiple times. So say you already have used that ability on the end for the four mana, uh, you're always welcome to do it again, give it two more counters, and it stacks up the ability of when it deals combat damage, you draw a card. So if you double stack it, swing in, you're drawing two cards off of it, it's an 8-8 flyer in the air, really hard threat to deal with. Really, you can stack it, huh? Correct. So... Can you stack in the any of the other abilities or no? You wouldn't need uh, to. You you can, but there's no point in it. It's Interesting. Not Do you think that that card draw is enough? Uh, the Ascendant Spirit uh, level up is a little bit later game. Your Suspicious Stowaway is pretty early, and your Considers early. Is that enough card draw to get you through the game? Yeah, you don't need, you don't need a lot of card draw for this deck. It's mainly about the in game interaction. Uh, a lot of your stuff, pretty much what's going to happen is in a game, your opponent's going to play probably about five to six spells. In a game, only two of the, two, two to three of those spells probably actually matter between things like Auburn's Epiphany, Goldspan, Dragon, etc. So really, as long as you hold up two spells for the, like two counter magic spells for the whole game, you can sometimes just run away with the game just by being able to counter their two best things. And I see you have Solid coming. That's a four of in this deck as well. That one makes sense. I don't think we really have to talk about that one much. Um, it's nice to have something that foretells turn two play. Let's talk about your land package. All right. So we're running four Faceless Haven. Uh, would you want that to be Hall of the Storm Giants by any chance? Do uh, you like the Faceless Havens better? Well... It's an interesting situation because Hull of the Storm Giants definitely puts them on a bigger clock. But Faceless Haven is a lot more mana efficient. 
which I think is where this deck wants to be. So Faceless Haven, for people who do not know, is a uh, rare snow land from Kaldheim where it can tap for a colorless or you can pay three snow mana and it becomes a 4-3 creature with vigilance and all creature types until end of turn. So this is very good in the sense of, uh, for one thing, it enters untapped. Hall of the Storm Giants, it's conditional, so say you need like that one more mana to cast another negate or something during your next turn, uh, you're going to want that untapped mana. Uh, another thing is for the Ascendant Spirit, in order to hit the levels, you need to have on-curve snow mana. So you want to go like turn one Ascendant Spirit, pay two snow mana into its ability, etc. So if you hit a Hall of the Storm Giants on one of your turns, it becomes a really awkward situation where you can't really hit that ability on Ascendant Spirit unless you want to wait a few turns. And then that also hits the uh, Concerted Defense with the uh, creature in your party. That would be correct. Uh, in theory, we can get all four creatures of the party into our deck. How many snow-covered islands do you run? Uh, I do run 20 snow-covered islands. So you run 24 lands total? 24 lands in total. Awesome. So we can go over your sideboard now. We run one Disdainful Stroke, three Ray of the Frost, one Reject, three Test of Talents, two Limerith, Desert Doom, three Tempted by the... How do you say that? Orc? We're going to go Orc. Orc? Nice. Two Mind Flare. Let's start with the white matchup. If you're going against white, mono white, what is your ideal side in and side out? So against Mono White, I'd probably end up bringing in a few of the Tempted by the Auric, uh, and I'd probably end up bringing in uh, one or two Mind Flares, I'm not sure, and I'd probably end up just taking out things like Negate Disdainful Stroke, because they're really low to the ground, they run a bunch of creatures, and uh, they go really wide. So a cool thing about our sideboard is we have a lot of things to steal their creatures. So say they have things like... Uh, I think they run Clarion Spirit, which is when you cast your second spell in one turn, uh, you get a 1-1, one, one, Flying Spirit, which can be a super powerful effect that can just run us over in the game, especially since we're relying on a bunch of flyers. So if we can get a on-tempo Tempted by Auric or Mind Flayer going, then that really kind of cuts off their game plan. And do you think this would be the same sideboard that you would uh, put in against, like, say, Mono Green? Um, not quite. I probably would not put Bring in Tempted by the Orc, just because it only hits the mana value of three or less. Uh, against something like, uh, any sort of mono green list or green list, say running a Seekish Chariots, maybe some Ranger classes. Um, I'd probably bring in Mind Flayers still, because it's still a good card that can hit a lot of their creatures. Uh, and then I'd probably bring in things like, uh, Ray of Frost, because it can just, uh, make it so creatures stay tapped. So if they swing with, I don't know even if it's just like a wolf token off ranger class that gets a bunch of plus one plus one counters, then you take off one threat from the board because chances are they're not going to go out of the trouble to remove a two-drop enchantment. So what about going against the normal Alrin's Epiphany deck with a Smoldering Egg and Goldspan Dragon? Um, That one's not too tough. I'd probably end up... I just take out the four stock comings just because it's not as mana efficient and bring in a lot of things that you know are already going to work against the deck, like uh, one Disdainful Stroke and three Test of Talents. Uh, 
Because Test of Talents, once it hits Epiphany, uh, they kind of run out of their main game plan because they want to chain off as many Epiphanies as they can and just try to win the game that way. Uh, and then it also just hits a lot of their, like, a lot of their card draw things, like their expressive iterations. It hits those, takes those off of the board. It makes it so you have a lot less spell density within their deck to worry about. And the ones that run uh, the more spell-oriented lists that will run, like, Galvanic Iteration, uh, anything that you would uh, change differently about that? No. No? Same thing? All right. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd probably run it practically exactly the same. Uh, if anything, I'd probably go deeper into the Test of Talents plan just because running so many instant sorceries, it's very easy to just... Uh, sometimes take them out of a four of in their deck and just take the game away by taking away some of their card advantage. The uh, Limerith Desert Doom is a little interesting. Um, is this just another late game threat? Uh, Imerith, yeah, it's just another decent threat in the late game. Uh, specifically, I'd probably bring in some, some sort of control matchups, uh, mainly because it has built-in protection unlike a lot of our other evasive early game threats. Uh, for people who do not know, Emirith Desert Storm is a 5-mana, 3 and 2 blue, 5-5 five, five legendary creature dragon. It has flying. As long as it's untapped, it has ward 4, so your opponents have to spend 4 more mana in order to cast spells that target it. And then whenever he deals the combat damage, you draw a card. If you have fewer than 3 cards in hand, you draw cards equal to that, equal until you have 3 cards in hand. So yeah, this is just another, it's early game, it's not really early game, it's late game, uh, good against control, it gives you that card advantage still that you get from things like Suspicious Stowaway, uh, and really I'm just kind of testing it out on the sideboard right now to see exactly how good it is and if I should keep it in there. The uh, Ward 4 is pretty nice as long as it's untapped. Uh, it seems like this deck is going to be pretty good against the, uh, the slow Oliver and Epiphany decks. You're pretty low to, the, low to the ground curve. Your creatures, uh, you might uh, have to fight through other Delvers or smoldering eggs. But if you get your Delver flipped, uh, having a flyer is going to be pretty beneficial to you. And it seems pretty easy to flip in this deck. I really like the Ascendant Spirit. I think that it's pretty versatile and people won't be expecting it. And the Suspicious Stowaway seems good. It's a nice little card draw, and Campy Block's going to be good against all these aggro matchups. Uh, I think uh, when we have another set comes come out, I think that you're going to see more aggro matchups. Right now, it seems like we're mostly going to be going against Epiphany decks, and it seems pretty, pretty well equipped against that deck. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts or uh, anything that you want to mention about this deck? Um, one thing I will mention is this deck is very easy for people to pick up. It is, uh, if you were to buy this deck, it'd probably be like 40 to $60, which is a lot cheaper than say other standard decks that are going around. Much cheaper. Uh, it's also pretty competitive. I've been playing on arena. I've gotten pretty far up the ladder with it. Uh, and I highly recommend this deck to anyone who just likes to, for anyone who likes Delver, basically. For anyone who wants Delver to work in Standard, this is definitely the deck to do it. Yeah, this seems like definitely a brew that you can take to your F&M and shake things up. Let's talk about your one-drop blue instant. You see a guard approach. 
I feel like not very many people know what that card does. Uh, you want to talk about it and tell them what it does? Okay. Uh, so to reiterate, uh, you see the guard approach. It is a instant from uh, Adventure into the Forgotten Realms, the D&D crossover set. So it has two modes. You can choose one of them. You can either distract the guard and tap target creature, or you can hide and target creature you control gains hexproof until end of turn. So this is uh, really powerful in the deck. Uh, it's been kind of overlooked, but it is a one blue, just give one of your creatures hexproof until the end of turn. So it's really good at just like any sort of blood chief's thirst, play with fire, any of the popular removal spells, it nullifies any of those. And other times when it's just stuck in our hand, we can tap one of their creatures, get rid of a thing that could block our Delver's secrets or something like that, or just tap down a threat on our turn or on their turn, so they cannot uh, get an attack with it. Yeah, that seems pretty good. Tapping target creatures is pretty nice. Seems like uh, you you would probably use that against the more aggro decks, and then you would use the Hexproof against uh, probably the Is It Spells deck. We also have a two-mana instant that I feel like people should know about, Reject. You want to talk about that spell. Reject. It is a two-mana instant from Strixhaven. One in a blue. Counter-target creature or planeswalker spell unless its controller pays three mana. If that spell is countered this way, exile it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard. So this is just a very good tempo spell. Uh, three mana people aren't, usually aren't holding up in case of a counter. So typically this just becomes a two-mana counter a creature planeswalker spell that they play. Uh, really versatile because uh, it's good in the deck whether you're playing against a control deck or against an aggro deck. It hits things on both sides. Uh, yeah, that's about all I have to say about it. It's just a pretty good card. All right, and you would uh, rather run two of those than maybe running an extra disdainful stroke. Uh, absolutely. Just the fact that it kind of hits an area... It hits an area where not a lot of our other counter magic goes. Like, it hits creatures, which negate hits non-creatures. It can hit some of the early game stuff as opposed to Disdainful Stroke that hits only stuff after about turn four. So it definitely is effective in the spot that it's in. Yeah, and it's a pretty cheap spell, too. So let's talk about this deck on a mulligan or even two mulligans, uh, what are you looking for in that mulligan draw, and what are you gonna, what are you hoping to throw back? Okay, so pretty much this deck gets a lot slower if you don't have a threat in hand, so you really need a mulligan for that, even if it ends up going into a mold of five, uh, as long as you have some sort of threat, uh, a way to protect it, and then some sort of interaction for your opponent's board, you should be fine. Uh, in saying that, uh, the most powerful things you can do with this deck on a, on a opening hand is, say, if you have two to three lands, uh, a one-drop threat, something to protect the creature, whether it's a UC the Guard approach or a Negate or a Saw It Coming... And then some way to interact with your opponent's board, whether that's Fading Hopes or Disdainful Strokes or Concerted Defense. So 
Mulligans are actually pretty easy with this deck. A lot of times when I draw my opening hands, I usually end up with at least one one mana threat. Um, but just keep in mind that you can probably safely mulligan to five without having to take too much backlash from it. How often do you actually mulligan? Um, pretty much opening hand. If I don't have a one mana threat, it's almost a snap mulligan. Just because all of a sudden our in-game tempo gets a lot slower. Uh, we don't apply the right amount of pressure that we typically need to to get through a win. But you can keep hands like that. I just prefer not to because I prefer quicker gameplay. This deck definitely seems like it's centered around your one-mana creatures. For sure, for sure. But it's... If you do keep a hand where you don't have an early game threat, you want to make sure you have some sort of, like, considers in your hand or some other form of card draw just to make sure you can hit that threat before you just get run over by epiphanies and maybe, gold spans. Maybe hit a suspicious stowaway turn two, Raven cast, an ascended spirit, and a delver on turn two. That'd be nice. How is playing on the play versus playing on the draw with this deck? So playing on the playing being on the play, this deck you really want to win your die rolls with this deck. It uh it is extremely good once you have game one on the play. Sometimes it can even be an automatic win, practically, because you just curve out perfectly into Ascendant Spirit or Turn 1 Delver. You go turn two, hold up one of your negates, one of your counter spells, or even one of your uh, one CMC interactions, like holding up a Concerted Defense and a Fading Hope. And then from there, you can just kind of take away the game just with a Flip Delver. And then once you get on the draw, it's a lot. It's a lot more of a grind, just because you need to be watching out for things like turn one, uh, spot removal for your delvers and your ascendant spirits. Uh, you just you play a lot more cautiously on the draw. So you definitely like when I'm on the draw. Sometimes I'll just sideboard in some later game threats, just for the opponent to have something bigger to deal with. Do you think you're going to have issues against any certain archetype? Um, the only thing I could really see is mono-white, just because they go wide so fast. That usually ends up being a issue with these decks, just because it provides very efficient attackers and interaction, but it does not provide very good blockers. So you kind of have to be worried about that whole, like, Clarion Spirit, them consistently casting two spells in a turn, usually creatures getting extra spirits on the field of flying, which can block all your attackers, or at least your Delver and your Ascendant Spirit. So any sort of go-wide deck, really, like even not just mono-white, but even like mono-green, if they land on a Seeker's Chariot, can sometimes just run the game over, just because you don't provide that kind of widespread interaction that other decks can do. Well, this has been double-sleeved, we are posting podcasts weekly, and you can find us on most all social medias under Double Sleeved or Double Sleevers. Thank you guys for listening, and hope you have a great day.